and welcome to Women in the Business Arena. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, success strategist for women in business, and I'll soon be joined by my dear friend and co-host, Laura Shuk Guzman, an amazing psychotherapist who works with women entrepreneurs. Every week, we dive into juicy topics relevant to women in business. We reframe the lens on business so women just like you know how to achieve not just success, but fulfillment and freedom. We've learned through decades of being entrepreneurs, mothers, and multiple business owners how to conquer the business arena. And the thousands of women we have worked with have given us insights and wisdom to share with you. We get honest, vulnerable, and real about what we've seen and experienced. We would love for you to join us in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. And if you want to get even more support, visit womeninthebusinessarena.com. Okay, let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Women in the Business Arena podcast. I'm your host, Sonia Statman, and I'm here with my gorgeous co-host, Laura Shuk-Guzman. Hey, Laura. Hello, hello. How are you doing today? I am doing all right. I'm sliding. It's in one of those days, like I'm sliding into the podcast chair with all the things. <laughs> my wind is, my hair is blowing. <laughs> I feel a bit like that today as well. It's like, okay, woohoo, podcast time. Let's go. In motion. Now, I really That's appreciate awesome. that this season for me is uh, less structured with summer. Um, definitely feels like I have more fluidity and space. But it also means just having the kids around a lot more and um, kind of having to, to do things in a very short amount of time. And so it's like, oh, I have freedom where I'm not actually working. Oh, wait, I have three hours to get it all done. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> so. I know. It's very interesting how we juggle and navigate it all. Yes. And look, I'm really excited to be kind of talking today about our the topic that we started last week. So if you missed last week's, we're, we're basically discussing and exploring the divine mature feminine and how that affects our business, how we can access it, what it even means. And last week, we talked a little bit about why understanding the divine feminine is relevant to you and your business. So if you missed that, you might want to stop this one and go back to that one, because we're not going to talk about that today. And we also explored what is the difference between the feminine and masculine and what are some of our personal reference points what does it mean because they're very neutral energies they're not um some of the reference points we have in terms of what means what it means to be masculine or what it means to be feminine you know we're really talking about some baseline energies and so today we thought we would explore how that divine mature feminine is relevant to your journey, what that journey kind of looks like, how do we access the divine mature feminine in ourselves, like what is the journey we take in our own lives to access and reach that. Um, So that's what I thought we could explore today. What do you think, Laura? I love it. Um, Anytime that we're exploring the feminine, (laughs) anytime we're kind of stepping outside of the box um, of what we normally think of when we're navigating business, I love it. So, yeah, because, you know, one thing that we've talked a lot about in this podcast is women in the business arena and that the arena for many, many years was built and occupied by the male perspective Um, and even just masculine energy being very valued. And we talked a little bit about that last week of just the difference, you know, that we're not putting a good or a bad on masculine and feminine. We're talking about 
the healthy feminine, the healthy masculine and what it means to have that balance. But even with that context, knowing that cultures have often still felt a lot more comfortable honoring the masculine within the most recent years, like thousands of years ago, the feminine was seen as very powerful in the matriarchal Mm. leadership. But then that flipped. And so we've always kind of seen these male characteristics being what is um, worshipped at the, you know, at the the feet of business. And so I think this exploration is really cool because we're going to dive into what does it mean as a woman in business in this day and time? Where do we drink from that well of wisdom that is our divine Mm. feminine? Yes. Yes. And that really is the point. I mean, like if you wanted to hone it down to one major point, it would be that the whole point of this conversation is about accessing our wisdom and what that means for ourselves and the world. Mm, Yes. And so, you know, I'm kind of a little biased towards this part of the conversation. We're going to dive into like the internal spaces, um, Mm. you know, and as a psychotherapist, obviously, I like to live in this world of um, self um, actualization, self examination, curiosity around like, why do I believe what I believe? What are the patterns? What are the things that I've internalized um, that now shape how I see myself as a woman in the world? And then especially as a woman in the world doing business is kind of the focus for me today, right? And yeah. I think that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, one of the things that's really interesting and we'll, you know, be getting into this today is that when we're talking about frameworks, so like there is sort of a psychological journey that we go through or a spiritual journey. You could sort of label it many things, a self-development journey. There is something that we go through in learning to access and actually mature our feminine. And What's interesting is these will be different models that probably most people listening right now haven't heard. And that's because so many of the psychological models, so many of the models in the world are designed 100% from the masculine perspective. It's been male scientists, male psychologists, male leaders who have defined and created the definition around all of our models to, for, you know, pretty much... And then women might come through, but then they're still basing a lot of their models on the assumptions made by those same men. So it's a really interesting process because we're going to we're going to break down and share some things. But, yeah, it's really it, it might be really different. Yeah. Now, I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, in my own field of psychology for, you know, many years when I first began studies as a young 20 something, you know, in my undergraduate, my early graduate studies, I'm like, you know, learning from these amazing theorists such as Freud and Carl Jung. Like these are all, Mm. you know, these are two very well-known uh, theories coming from these men, these giants mm. in, in my in my field. But I started getting curious too, because I was like, well, I hear you know some interesting things about their personal lives and their marriages and their relationships to the women in their lives, and like, what? <laughs> yeah. well, how does this shape into the way that they perceive the human psyche? And there mm. is, and if you want to go Google feminist um, psychology. There's tons out there, so we won't go into all of that. But it's really some interesting perspectives and in, in what that means when you Google that for psychology. is just um, some theorists, some very smart people have kind of really 
gone a little bit deeper in understanding the influence of the male perspective on our field and on our understanding of the human mind. Um, and then, like you said, there's some, you know, women just haven't been published. There's a lot of wonderful thinking minds um, from the female perspective, but they either didn't have access or they weren't published. And so you have to um, understand that as in all industries, we are kind of hearing a lot more through the male lens and that's like shaped the way that we as women then have perceived ourselves you know that's right and just an example like in the 50s when it was called hysteria for women (laughs) to be unhappy with the situation (laughs) yeah and I think we all understand now when we look back the little etiquette book that all the women were supposed to (laughs) read and follow that um, that was definitely um, a, a moment of making women feel like there was something wrong with them when they were actually just having very normal reactions to some abnormal suppression and some overwhelming um, lack of autonomy. Yes. So. Yes. Oh, there's so much richness in the history of things. Yes. Uh, but we're not. Yeah, we're not going to focus on too Just much Google of that, that today. <laughs> if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And you can definitely join our group and ask us questions in the Women in the Arena Facebook group. And we're happy to go down those rabbit yes. holes because we love these conversations. Uh, so you can tag Laura R I. Um, so one of the things I wanted to kind of explore, and again, you you guys, as we talked about last week, we are we don't feel by any means we're experts. Like this is still something that we're exploring. I think Laura and I have had decades to reflect and explore this. This is one of the topics that really brought us together. But we, you know, there's just I mean, honestly, there's not a lot of information out there. Like there is some and you can Google some different things, but it's I find I'm hungry for information about the divine mature feminine. And there is very little out there that really talks about the journey. So I wanted to share with you one framework I've seen and then I thought Laura and I could explore it. And, you know, one of the things it's like it's kind of like in our developed self. Right. So let's say, you know, we're born as women, we, you know, birth would be sort of the first phase that we come through. And over our young childhood, we tend to identify with the feminine, right? So, you know, if we are feminine, if that is our nature, we tend to identify with our mothers, right? Are the other women around us, maybe it was our grandmother or great aunts, or, you know, we, we tend to identify with the feminine. And from there, we develop things, whether that's um, a, a love for the feminine or a resistance to the feminine, depending on what our experience was with our mothers or with the women in our lives. And then from there, we start maturing and the ego starts developing and the ego is masculine energy. And so we're developing the ego, which is a very natural and healthy part to our development. And we go through that process and we're looking at what our actions are and we're looking at, you know, what we've accomplished in the world, what we can accomplish in the world, what our dreams are, what our aspirations are. And then over time, if we're in that healthy development, eventually we start to develop the mature divine feminine, which is moving away from the ego, moving away from the aspirations in the same sense of what we know now as aspirations. And it's developing that 
inner confidence, that inner awareness, that wisdom that really has so much to bring to the world. And then in some ways we go through the cycle again, we go into rebirth, we go into identify with a particular kind of feminine, we go into more ego development and actions in the world, and then we might develop more mature divine feminine. So this was a really interesting piece that I found and have been exploring and something I've also been exploring with my clients. What do you think about that, Laura? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because um, I, I think that there's so many different types of um, definitions and, and I'm glad that you're saying we're not an expert. Like we're actually having this conversation um, to explore what is the feminine. There's um, it's sometimes people call it sacred feminine, divine feminine, um, and then just like femininity versus masculinity and, and all these different concepts. So I'm glad you're framing that because I don't want anyone to be like, well, actually you said this and this is really, you know, we're we are still on, I think, um, discovery in, in our, in ourselves. I know Sonia and I, and then just in a greater culture, because the term sacred feminine or maybe divine feminine was kind of coined in the seventies, because this was a time when people began to explore, um, more critically, like the role that women, women were playing in the way that we thought, thought about femininity and masculinity. So it's interesting that if in the in the time frame, like this was a conversation that was happening when, you know, Sonia and I, we were just babies. <laughs> it started to, yeah. to happen. So we've lived our life under sort of this umbrella of women's empowerment. But what does it mean to be truly divine, divine in your feminine and allowed to bring those gifts forward? Um, there was something that I was going to say um, about that, but I can't remember. I wanted to, and actually while you're continuing to, to talk about it, I may just look, see if I can look this up. Cause I feel like there was a really good article that came out recently on the divine feminine and some of the ways that it's kind of held us back as women. I was going to reference that quote, but I can't find it at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a, just a constant conversation to be had because if we don't think about how our femininity is shaping us and how how our relationship, not just how people perceive women in business, but what is our relationship to ourselves as a woman in business? Do we feel like we have a superpower when we identify with our ability to build relationships, um, our ability to trust our intuition, our ability to problem solve and juggle many things? Like they say, women just, you know, whether it's our brain actually has this capacity or if it's just over time we've evolved the ability to um, do multiple things at one time in a way that men don't necessarily do because we've just had so much practice in it. So what is our relationship to those qualities when we're standing in a conference room with our peers or colleagues or across from a client? Like, do we really own that and love on that and use those traits or do we feel like we need to step into more of that traditionally masculine accepted the masculine traits that are more wild widely accepted yeah and I think you know I think it's interesting looking at that sort of journey and model I was talking about as well because you know in any development model you can always look at what happens at a stage of development Right. So I think, you know, part of this quest and journey around our feminine is to look at what our reference points for the feminine are. Right. So when we first this is kind of how I've been exploring and are looking at it. 
that first stage of moving from birth to identifying with the feminine, right? To identifying with our mothers or to identifying with our great aunts, the women around us. You know, what happens is this is where we compare ourselves, right? Like this is where we, this is what I would say is more the, um, the, le- the more immature feminine, if you will. So we're comparing ourselves. We're looking at how is this person like me or how is this person different or where do we fit in the feminine world and where do we not fit in the feminine world? Like there's all this identifying with the feminine that we're exploring. And I think a lot of people haven't matured past that with the feminine, right? So there's I see this all the time in business. People are comparing themselves and they're looking at, you know, where is that person different and how am I like this person? Or they're copying people in the business arena, right? Instead of trust, Trusting their selves, trusting their wisdom, trusting who they are, they they compare. Am I as good? Am I as bad? Am I like how can I be the same? Like it's a very interesting process, and this isn't like a judgment to say that we're wrong for having an experience like this. This is the state of so many women, and you know all of us. We have not been taught. There's been no guidance on how to access our mature divine feminine. We've been you know guided by the masculine, you know, and they don't understand the wisdom and the maturity of our divine feminine. So I think it's interesting to sort of look and reflect what was our childhood like around the feminine? What did we reject of the feminine? What did we embrace of the feminine? Like what were we taught by our dads or our moms or our family members or friends around the feminine? Um, I think that is a really cool and interesting place to start exploring your own journey. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, because that goes back to, you know, before maybe there was as much conditioning, (laughs) like what did you really feel as a child? Um, And then, you know, how was sort of growing up in a certain household? um, How did that impact that sense um, of stepping into or really embracing your feminine energies? And I think going back to um, what we talked about last time is that, you know, masculine energy and feminine energy are traits that we all have, like we all have this energy, whether you are um, a man or a woman, however you identify, like as a human being, you have feminine and masculine energies. It's like the yin and yang. It's the um, two different energies that complement one another. And we often just haven't spent a lot of time, I think, thinking about what is, what are those, how do those energies better our lives and are we comfortable balancing both or do we tend to favor one or the other and often as children we might have you know we typically favor one or the other people sort of tend to not um you know like that's why girls are called tomboys (laughs) if they have a lot they just naturally lean towards more of their masculine energy because that is um more what rowdy and you like to get into things you're um rougher in your play and you like to be able to scale a tree where like a girl who's more like enjoys looking at the butterflies and doing the more feminine like I'm playing with my dolls like we say oh, that is a feminine trait. There's also conditioning in two of those things. But it's just interesting because there's no good or bad. And we all have both, but we sometimes have a default. And then our culture and our environment rewards that or punishes that default. And then we kind of condition ourselves to fit into whatever we think is is best for our survival, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the, the key piece, like we talked a little bit about last week is defining who we are naturally, right? Who we are innately. And that can be tough to define because we've been conditioned so much. And so a lot, like I have had a lot of people, I've explored this a lot with people, like in, in actual sessions or in actual coaching. And, you know, 
sometimes they're so adamant that they're more masculine naturally. And as we, we explore more and more and ask more and more questions, we find out that, nope, that is just how they were seriously indoctrinated as a child. That's what they did for survival. That's what they did to, to you know, be approved of and to be loved. And so where they actually are is feminine. So they've operated totally opposite their whole life, which is why they're more exhausted, unfulfilled, you know, all of these things. So it's really interesting. But what the exploration is, is us coming to some understanding of where we fall on the spectrum of masculine and feminine. We do all have it, but it's not equal. Like it's not 50-50, right? We're not 50% masculine and 50% feminine. It is different for everybody. I'm probably 70% feminine, 30% masculine naturally. That's where I fall. That's where I'm most comfortable. That's where I operate most effectively. Now I've operated most of my life in about 70% masculine and 30% feminine. And so, you know, it makes sense why I've been more exhausted, why I haven't functioned properly, why I have, you know, burned myself out, why I've driven myself into the ground. Like, and this is the, this is that piece is beginning to understand sort of where we are innately, but also recognizing that it won't be equal. And for some people who are more on the feminine side, so if the percentage is higher on the feminine side, one of the big problems and why I think we're addressing this conversation at all is that the feminine has been so devalued, so suppressed, so pushed down, moved out of every industry. It's moved out of government. It's moved out of leadership. It's moved out of business. It's moved out of, in so many places, the feminine has been removed that for most people, if they are operating on a higher feminine side naturally, they won't have been operating that way throughout most of their life. Because honestly, none of us want to be devalued. All of us want to be praised and loved and we all want to belong. And so therefore we've had to suppress and devalue this part of ourselves to belong along. So I think that's an interesting thing that we're really addressing. Yes. And I do think that that is one of the points that really fueled us to have this conversation because it's, there's too many beautiful feminine energies out there in both men and women that are being suppressed because they're not feeling like there's, that it's okay to be that. And that, that is definitely within the world of uh, business, Um, you know, that they have to kind of hide that feminine side of those feminine energies because they may be perceived as weakness. And then you see a woman really step into some powerful leadership, fiercely feminine and get blasted for it. Just get, you know, completely, um, you know, torn down as aggressive and, you know, all of these negative terms. And so women are then like, well, what do we do now? You know, I actually saw that woman embrace her feminine and she was badass, but then it didn't go anywhere. And and that's another reason we're having these conversations because we have the ability to raise one another up in this time in which women are talking authentically about more women supporting women. This also means not just supporting women who are living in the masculine lane. This is like supporting women who are really embracing all of their energies and especially those feminine energies because that's a pioneer that's like uncharted territory in a way and so the more that they're doing that the more brave and I know that we love to talk about Brene Brown but I think that she's come along at her research is just so valuable to this topic because what she basically underscored in science was that vulnerability which is a very feminine trait that is courage that is power and that it's good to step into it and it's going to transform so many things in your life when you step into that seeing that as a strength and not as a weakness 
Yeah. And and so I think it would be really useful to talk about the difference. At least these are our opinions or our perspectives. So, you know, take everything with a grain of salt, align it to yourself, right? That's also part of the mature feminine is deciphering everything through your own filters and following your own truth. So take all of this with a grain of salt. It's just a perspective. But I think it'd be interesting to explore the difference between the mature feminine and the immature feminine, right? Because what I see a lot of times in in the world is an immature feminine, right? Which is like um, being catty or uh, being sexualized, right? Like, so there is, a, and nothing is wrong with healthy sexuality. So don't get on me about that. I'm all about that. That's fantastic. But there is a way that, you know, you perceive some people as feminine to overutilize some of their sexuality as an example, or, you know, some of the immature feminine is being girly, what we might call, you know, like being more focused on how we look outside of ourselves and how people like are attracted to us or look like and in my opinion, that is the immature feminine, whereas the mature feminine is about groundedness. It's about confidence in self. It's about no perspective of looking at how others look at you. It's 100% about how you look at and value yourself. And so I think, you know, we need to some, dissect a little bit of that because I don't know how many people really have reference points for what the mature feminine looks like. Yeah, well, and you know, it's so interesting how even in our literary world, like, is it um, Campbell, James Campbell's book, The Heroine's Journey? I mean, The Hero's Journey, right? Was yeah. like something that people have, most people have read or known or talked about. And a lot of women read that book, too, is just like this example of facing something and coming out the other side. But, you know, that same journey, that internal um work that he chronicled in that classic book is slightly different from a female's point of view, although there's like similarities in the humanity of it. And so like if, you know, as we talk about this internal journey, there's like this being born with feminine energy, all of us having that, but what does it mean to actually come into that? Like you were saying with our childhood and then mm. what happens when you are separated from the feminine because of rejection and inferiority yeah. of the feminine in our culture. And then how do you find your, your way back? I know there's a book out there that is the heroine's journey that some, a woman wrote, I think in the nineties. Um, I cannot remember the author, but if you're interested in that, you know, but that didn't come until <laughs> the nineties of like trying to understand like what is our particular journey. And it is unique um, to being seen as a woman in the world. Um, and, you know, and then a man having his journey embracing his feminine, you know, just a story on that one um, that's that was really apparent. When I moved to Sweden, I saw so many men there partnering, um, raising their children more equally alongside the woman partner in their life. And I was curious about that and started asking more questions about why they did that. Why is that something that just Swedish men are more likely to want to father and be close to their kids? Um, and many of them went on to explain that, you know, it was provided like something that was seen as a positive thing that a woman spent the first year because she was breastfeeding her, the child, and it made more sense. The 
the baby needed the mother more the first year and the second year that the father would step in and step into his fathering role and embrace the feminine energies that come with parenting. So there's feminine and masculine, but they were encouraged and rewarded by society and by the culture and they were given time off. And it was just really interesting because when the U.S. companies came in and started to uh, make their impact, they said it was like they were seen as less than they were seen as you know, the more family oriented they were, the more punished or demoted they were. And so this is really interesting. You know, you have to keep in mind that not to pass judgment on ourselves entirely with and understand like within a culture, it can be really hard. And there are certain cultures that just love, you know, supporting the feminine in both men and women when they're parenting. And they are like, this is about nurturing. This is what your kid needs. And there's so much support. And then other cultures are like, get back after two weeks into the workforce and make money and do the linear thing and get into the mind and make crap happen. You know, it's just yeah. like, you know, and, and so I just, I, I, I know we're talking about this, the internal in this particular episode, but I can't help just coming back to Give yourself some compassion, understanding that the culture that we live in can really impact your awareness of these values of how you feel in the feminine and and in the masculine energies. Definitely. And the culture inside of our growing up home is probably the most impact of anything around us. I mean, you know, we're trained in school and in culture and in groups we're in and, you know, sort of what the role is for the feminine and the masculine. So there's lots, so much culture, there's so much ideas, but we're, I th- I've found that the biggest impact usually comes from our mothers and fathers. And, you know, those are the deeper wounds around the feminine. So I, I feel like understanding the mature divine feminine and bringing that out in ourselves is a really important journey. And so I talk a lot about this throughout my program. Well, here and there, and probably not as much as I should. And one of the things that I find is that sometimes as people start to start to go deeper inside themselves, as they start to go into trusting themselves more, as they start to go into that mature divine feminine, they can find a lot of wounds, a lot of pain, a lot of um, heartache in ways that were so severe. So, you know, I know in my own life, I had to work through so much of my father's rejection of the feminine. You know what? And and it wasn't that he intended to be mean or to diminish me or it was just all his own indoctrination. And it was just like every time I was in my feminine, I was ridiculed. Every time I was in my masculine, I was praised as I was more academic. And as I was more, you know, reaching to develop everything that, you know, is good in the world, then I was praised. But when I was just wanting to be or to feel or to nurture or to care, all of that was diminished. And so some of those wounds were so severe. I mean, there was this one memory where my crying had been suppressed. And like, that was this wound that I carried with me for for decades. And it was so impactful. And it had so much impact on how I viewed the feminine and how I pushed myself past my own capacity. And so, you know, those those kind of wounds can take a long time to heal. And and sometimes we have to just recognize that as we start on this journey, it's in an immensely valuable journey. And yet sometimes we can open up to things that were very deep wounds of, you know, where our feminine was rejected. And then those can be then, um, you know, sort of, I guess, 
reinforced as we got older and as we got in the workforce and as we got, you know, sort of are in school. And so it's really interesting to look back at our psychology, our history, our um, journey to see what our relationship with our own feminine has been. And that is part of what starts that journey to the mature feminine, because what that is, is our wisdom inside of ourselves. It's that uh, as we self-contemplate, as we we are with ourselves, as we start trusting ourselves, as we start accessing our wisdom, that is accessing and maturing our feminine. And so, you know, yeah, it's a really powerful journey. Yes, yes. And I do think that like the healing acts, like the, the, the energies, the behaviors that can heal those wounds, like you were saying, for the feminine, for the, fem- for the feminine that has been like that we've separated ourselves from, the more that we're able to tap into that inner trust and that wisdom. I mean, that really that part that we've most likely separated ourselves from is the knowing that comes from the divine feminine, the wisdom that comes in our body, the feelings that we have, the yes. sensations that we have, the emotions that we experience, like all of that is so tuned in. And if we have been punished or discouraged from that, then we've cut ourselves off from this, you know, this ocean of mm. love and wisdom. And I think tapping into that in your individual work is healing the feminine. And then healing the masculine for many that have masculine wounding, um, you know, it's like tapping into the heart, you know, that the masculine needs to remember that it's heart based also. Um, and that all of that um, thinking that it in, in this doing and being linear in the world that it also has this deep feeling that it can move from a heart space and the feminine can move from a wise space. And, you know, so so it's interesting how um, just these, there's certain, I think, healing energies that can come forth and sort of heal those wounds if we can go into the inner work. And this is, you know, the work that we're talking about, you can do on your own if you've done a lot of, um, if you've done a lot of previous personal self-development, but some of this is going to be, it's its going to be more helpful if you do have a guide, um, someone who is a therapist or a coach and really is sort of schooled in this idea of feminine and masculine energies, because this is not just, you know, flip a switch and uh, checkbox, I now love my divine feminine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, we can't quite do it in that way, but it's so transformative to really look at where have you been wounded when you show, when you were showing up in the world as a, you know, in your feminine energies and where have you been wounded as, as you've shown up in masculine energies and have those kind of separated you and divided you from your core essential self. Um, and even though I talked about Carl Jung being a male perspective he actually was a very much more aligned with the divine feminine I'd say than Freud because he was body centered he talked a lot more about um, the essential self and the felt experience that comes Mm. with bringing yourself back into wholeness and that means all of these different aspects of self um, the more masculine manager protector roles that we have inside ourselves and the loving nurturing divine mother divine father so yeah and just a little psychobabble here and I'm kind of rambling but I just yeah I want to speak to the fact that this is 
a lot of really deep work and it doesn't have to happen overnight. And there are containers mm. and places and there's women's circles and groups and there's books and there, I think there's, we live in a time in which at least there's a lot more resources than there were in the past for this type of self-awareness. Yes, but I would also encourage you to do your due diligence to make sure that someone that you do want to work with or look to for this information has done their own work. Because the truth is you cannot uh, support someone in their mature divine feminine if you haven't done the work yourself. And I think, you know, that's just really important. And, And the thing about the mature divine feminine is that you can only access it from space from time, from the that quality of energy. And so, you know, a lot of people in the past have started to find their mature divine feminine around retirement, right? So, you know, this is what, I think this is shifting and changing because more of us are more interested at a younger age. But a lot of people found it, not necessarily by intention, but by accident in their retirement years because they stopped living to those accomplishments and they stopped, you know, sort of being in the masculine environments and they stopped trying to live to someone else's ideas and goals. And so, you know, sort of through that process, they started to naturally come into that mature divine feminine and other people have found it through chronic illness and depression. It's like that some people believe that depression actually is a cry in your body and mind for time and space to develop your inner self. And I think that's a really interesting perspective, you know, and it reminds me it's so important for us to create the space to develop ourselves, right? So you can call it the mature divine feminine. You can call it your essential self. You can call it wholeness. There's a lot of labels for it. But I think what we're talking about is developing our inner self to maturity. And to do that, it has to come through space and time. It cannot be done as a task in your to-do list on a day. It has to be done with reverence and value for that space and time. Mm. Yes. And that reverence in that respect, that value is so important. I'm so glad you pointed mm-hmm. that piece out. And and it isn't something, it's work that you can do with just anyone. Like Sonia said, that it the more divine, I mean, I think this is where we look to our mentors and women um, that are 10 years ahead of us. Like I've done my greatest divine feminine work with those that are more like I'm in my early forties. And so when I'm with women that are in their fifties and sixties, um, they share so much understanding and validation. And I think one of the best things that they do is they say, I remember that I remember being your age. I remember what comes with the forties and this self-awareness that can sometimes really overwhelm you if you're not grounded in a supportive container where you can dive into what does this mean we also live in a culture i will just say for some of you that are in that cusp um, of moving into more divine feminine a lot of this does um, developmentally arrive around um, 40 to 45 years of age for women and what can happen is that it can when you go to your doctor and you start to say you're feeling um, more anxiety and you're feeling over overwhelmed, you're feeling like you're, you just can't quite, um, function as well. A lot of times they'll put it under 
pre-menopause. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh, that's normal. That's just all your hormones shifting and da-da-da. And yes, there is truth to that. But there is also a lot of beautiful shifts happening mm. um, that are not just a medical problem. <laughs> like yes. It's yes. It's back to hysteria again, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, depression, <laughs> depression and yes. anxiety are the new hysterias. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many women are showing up in their doctor's offices saying, I don't know what's going on. And they're experiencing anxiety and depression because they are separated from self. Yes. Yes. And as women, we have the roadmap inside us to go into the depths of our being. We can find ourselves there in the sacred space of the feminine and the masculine. But when we've been separated, not only from self, but from the parts of self that are our best tools to do this work, then we're left feeling hopeless, you know, and just overwhelmed. Mm. And this is where, yeah, we just start like looking at what's happening to me because I'm aging and it just gets kind of, oh, it's because of your approaching menopause. It's because you're just getting older. It's because, but if we, you know, this is where it's important to go look at works by Christine uh, Christine Northrup, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. Um, And she has one for the later stages too, I think around menopause, because if we don't really understand what's happening to our, our bodies and our spiritual selves, our mind body connection, all of that is aging in a, in a way together but there's all these beautiful things that are happening and we can't, you know, look at it through a negative male lens. We have to really embrace what's cracking open for us. Like what actually is coming up to the surface that deepens our human experience. Yes. I love that. And and I thought like, I mean, we could talk about this forever. There's so many sort of threads we can do. And so we're going to finish it up next week and we're about to wrap up today, but I just wanted to leave with the sort of, what does it feel like to be in the divine mature feminine, right? Because I think maybe we don't have reference points or maybe we don't know what it feels like. And and I'm going to share my experience and then Laura can share hers as well. And I feel like when I am in my divine mature feminine, I am grounded and confident with where I am right now. Like I'm not, you know, lunging forward to try to be something else or create something else. I'm satisfied and fulfilled with who I am and what I am. I have no attention on how others see me. I have no attention on what others think or want me to think. I fully trust myself. I fully access my wisdom. And the feeling of that is, is, it is like bliss. It is, you know, no worry, no attention on, you know, what's happening outside of myself. And that for me, accessing that has come through a lot of inner work, right? A lot of healing of old paradigms and and wounds and ways I've rejected the feminine, ways I've rejected the masculine and, you know, all of these different things. So I think it's really interesting to explore what it feels like for you. And Laura, maybe you can share what it feels like for you. Yes. Uh, so many similar traits to what you were saying. It's just like such a grounded experience 
expansive light. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. what the feminine feels like to me because it really grounds me, but yet it feels so expansive, so heart-centered. Mm-hmm. It's sensory. It has such a capacity to feel into the mysteries, to feel into the cracks of things that my, you know, thinking mind doesn't capture. And so the feminine is so powerful. And I think there's, um, for me, it's such an alignment with the moon. So being able to understand my connection to the cycle of the moon, I step even into more knowing and and more powerful attention from that place. So I'd say that's how it feels for me is, is, you know, that kind of sounds like the opposites, like a um, duality of like expansion and groundedness, but that's exactly Mm. what divine feminine feels like for me. Um, yeah, so I love that invitation, Sonia, to the listeners to just think when you are trusting your intuition, when you're feeling that goddess from within, if you will, if you really tapped into that feminine strength, what does that look like? You know, when was the last mm-hmm. transaction that you had in your business where you felt like, wow, that really came from this place inside of me that's this intuitive, wise knowing self and not just this linear problem solving aspect, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah, so I love that. I love it too. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will finish this topic up next week. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Add to the conversation in our Facebook group, Women in the Business Arena. You can also access all of our episodes and some great resources at womeninthebusinessarena.com. Our mission is to arm more women with the tools, strategies, and know-how to navigate the business arena with ease. We need more women in power and with the resources to change the world. If you're enjoying the show and want to support our mission, please help us spread the word. You can write a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. A huge thank you to all of you who've commented, reviewed, and shared our show. We're so appreciative of your support. Okay, see you next week.